Today, I want to talk about disciplines, and I have the empty plate to help us kind of think about what it takes to kind of develop a desire for disciplines, for like self-discipline. I mean, that's why they're called disciplines, right? Because it takes a desire to grow in you to, to want to do things that require discipline. That's kind of like if they weren't, if there was something else, we would just call them delights, right? But, but it takes some discipline to do some things that are good for you, right? So today, I, I want to take a little bit of a survey. And what some of you are, need, are gonna need to do is you're gonna need to pretend a little bit, right? And so we're gonna take a choice between I would rather this or this, while some of you would say I would rather neither. Remember like maybe some exercise options and some things that maybe some of you say, well, I would avoid all of those things, all right? But if you had to choose between the two, which one would you go with, all right? So the first one is, um, this, how many of you would like, like yoga or something like that's a little less impact? How many of you would rather like the things where you're gonna jump around and just sweat everywhere, right? Uh, so if you're more on like the low impact yoga type of thing, raise your hand if that would be you, yeah? All right, how many of you wanna jump around and sweat and yeah? All right, see, I'm more in that group. All right, second, second step, all right, maybe like the kettlebells, maybe you like to use the machines, those type of thing, versus I wanna lift as much weight as my body possibly can, right? Like, there's kind of two different approaches to working out. All right, here's what I have learned in the lifting as much weight as my body possibly can at this point, is when you get to this age, it takes way more days to recover from said workout than it used to. All right, that's what I've learned. All right, but if you're in the first group, um, a little bit lighter weight, a little bit more active, uh, if that's you, raise your hand, yeah? How many of you are just trying to push as much weight as possible if you're gonna do that? Yeah, yeah, that's me. All right, so here's the next one. Spin class or running alone? Spin class. So here's it. If, if, if you're gonna do spin class, this is what it means. You want someone to yell at you so you keep going, right? You, maybe you kind of need that. Like you would quit if you didn't have somebody yelling at you to say, keep going, keep going. And then the other one, you just wanna go out and run all by yourself. So who's spin class type of workout that, where you're getting yelled at, all right? Some people like getting yelled at. Second one, who likes to want you go out by themselves? Yeah, run it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's me. You know, I jokingly say this all the time, but it's really an arrogant truth that I think. I, I hear the most brilliant conversations when I'm running by myself. Like the person I'm with is one of the smartest people I've ever met. But anyway, and so, um, but all right, so here's where discipline really gets hard though, right? Like I enjoy the exercise, right? But every time, you know, people say, well, if you really want to make a difference, it happens where? At the table, in the kitchen. But then you gotta make tough choices like this. Salad or pizza, right? Like they serve them at the same place, right? Like, and my opinion of a salad is a salad is something I eat a little bit of so I feel better about the amount of pizza I'm about to eat, right? Like, but so who in the room would say, I'm really like, I love a good salad. I'd rather, I'd rather that, yeah? Who's pizza people? Yes, lots more of us, all right? Here's another one. Steamed vegetables or king cake, right? Like these are like real decisions in life, right? Like you have to make decisions between these kinds of things, right? Who's like, oh, I'll, I'll let me, uh, I'd rather steam vegetables. Anybody in the room? Really? Who wants more king cake? Yes. Some of you are sad because your favorite rest, uh, place is gonna stop serving them this week. You're like, I don't get it. Why don't we just keep making them all year long? Because we need to stop, right? But here's the thing is that developing a discipline is the more you're disciplined in it, the more you grow in it, the more you actually desire it. The more you are disciplined in it, the, the better you get at a discipline, the more you find joy in doing it. I tell people all the time, running's not fun when you haven't been running. When you get to where you can run, it's not nearly as miserable. 
right? And the disciplines, that's what it takes in our life. And so today I want to talk about three disciplines that Scripture teaches us. I just want to spend some time. I want to challenge you over this next period between here and Easter to really focus on maybe learning and developing these in your life. We're going to talk about prayer, fasting, and meditating on Scripture, which is a little bit just different than just studying Scripture, really meditating on Scripture. In Matthew 5, 6, it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. By the way, they will be. Not they might be, not they could be, not, you know, for the most part. They will find satisfaction. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are going to find satisfaction in life. Here's the promise that the Lord has given us. The appetite that is satisfied in the Lord will always be satisfied by the Lord. But we have to develop an an appetite that is actually satisfied in him. We need in our life a healthy spiritual appetite that finds its satisfaction in the Lord. The reason why we're not finding satisfaction in the Lord is because we're not satisfied with him. Whether we want to admit it or not, the problem is we, we act like he's not enough. Like his grace isn't good enough. Some of you think you need to add your works to his grace. And he loved you and demonstrated his love for you when you were yet a sinner. He died for you. Some of us just struggle. I've struggled with that all week. Give me one second. Some of us struggle with being satisfied in, in the Lord and, and, and who he is. And here's what I want to talk about today is sometimes our problems, we get so satisfied with the things in this world. Not even things that are necessarily wrong. Things that God created, that he gave us. But we get so just satisfied with the things that are around us in this world. We don't seek any of the satisfaction that we really need in the Lord. So today, I, I pray that God will speak in our hearts and lives about how to develop these appetites. It's, it's growing. And how many of you grew up with some kind of relationship or connection to the season of Lent? Raise your hand if that was anybody. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people in this area. If you grew up Catholic, obviously, it's a, it's a part of the Catholicism, and not just in Catholicism. A lot of other denominations practice Lent. The, the tradition that I, came, I come out of, uh, Baptist, we did not um, practice Lent. Um, it's been something that I've observed. If you don't know what Lent is, I'll describe it for you real quickly. It's the period preceding Easter that is devoted to fasting, to abstaining, and to repentance. That you would fast from things, that you would abstain from some things, that you would seek the Lord in repentance. And remembering Christ's fasting in the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days before he began his public ministry. And it goes from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday, the, the Saturday before Easter Sunday. Now, the issue with seasons like this, if we're not careful, they have great spiritual disciplines in them, but they lack the real reason for them. Right? Like, you can go through the motions. Jesus is going to talk about people today in the passage we read, about people who went through all kind of motions. We're going to look at Isaiah and all kind of people, the people of the Lord, and they would, they would go through the motions. 
They would do the season of fasting. They would offer the sacrifice, but their hearts were far from God. And so today I want us to, to really dive into what does it mean to actually be hungry and thirsty for righteousness? That God's given us some, some guidance on how to develop that in our life. But just because we do them doesn't develop it. And, and so today I want us to just really get the spirit and the meaning behind it because authenticity and faith requires vulnerability and availability. Like people who really hunger and thirst for righteousness choose to. They do some things that develop that appetite in their life. They choose to be hungry and thirsty for the Lord and the things of the Lord. They develop that. So let's dive into God's word, Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five. It says this, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Those, this is, I'll just talk about those who will do the righteous acts, but not because of righteousness, right? It's gonna talk about the heart behind it. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I wanna stop real quickly, make sure we understand something. This is not saying we can ever pray in public. We can't pray together. We're actually called to do that. We're called to gather together in prayer. But the whole point is we don't pray to be seen by others that we're praying. We pray to have a conversation with the Lord. And so I would actually challenge you in this. If, if the only time you pray is that rote time when you're praying in front of others, there's something broken in your prayer life. There needs to be some times where it's just you and Jesus. Just talking, where you're listening and you're speaking you're praying because he rewards that. There's a reward in prayer. It goes on. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. There's no fancy prayers that are going to make you more heard by the Lord God. It's not about the memorization of particular prayers. It's not about saying this or saying that. There's no right phrase that gets your answered prayer. Actually, what it says in Scripture, it's the prayers of a righteous man that are powerful and effective. It's not, it's not just that he says the right types of prayer. It's a man whose heart is right before the Lord who's praying. That kind of prayer is powerful and effective. And it says then, pray then like this. By the way, I want you to hear this about the, the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing wrong with saying the Lord's Prayer. You can say that, you can recite it, you can say it together if you want to. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying, pray then like this. He doesn't say, pray this. He says, pray like this. Learn to pray from how I'm about to pray. And then he says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Man, there's some tough truth right there about forgiveness. Some tough truth about forgiveness. That those who are forgiven, forgive. That's what it's teaching. We're not forgiven because we forgive. We, we forgive because we are forgiven. 
We, we love as Christ has loved us. But there's some things about prayer here I, I want us to learn today. And, and, and the main one is this. Prayer is less about bringing your will to God and more about bringing yourself to God and his will. It's less about bringing your will to him. And it's more about you bringing yourself to him and to his will. It's hallowed be his name. It's his kingdom come. It's his will be done. It's his provision. It's his forgiveness. It's about him. And so often, if we're just be honest about it, we treat prayer as the exact opposite. Prayer is my time where I give to God his to-do list for the day. Hey, God, here's what you need to get done today. Here's what the world needs, because I obviously know what the world needs better than you who created it. Not that we are not to bring our needs to him, but remember, he knew what you needed before you brought it to him. He knew you would need it before you knew you would need it. He's the one that knits you together in your mother's womb. This is the one that we pray to. So it's not that we're not gonna bring to God our desires and our wills. That's called petitions in scripture, that we would bring him our petitions. But prayer is about bringing ourselves to the Lord, to his will, to his kingdom, to his ways, to his provision. And sometimes our problem with his provision is it's just simply not the provision we want. It's not that it's not provision. It's not the provision we want. Sometimes our problem with daily bread is it's just enough bread for the day. There's some imagery in that, by the way, in Scripture, going way back to the manna that God provided. And literally, they were only allowed to get enough for the day. If they got more than that day's, it rotted before the next day. He's saying, you still depend on me, just like you did in the wilderness, your daily bread. Are we really bringing ourselves to the Lord? And today I want us to illustrate this through some stories and some places in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is an incredibly interesting book um, in that the prophet Isaiah had his ministry of prophecy during the divided kingdom while the kings were alive, all right? But a lot of his prophecy is during the time of the exile, some 150 to 180 years later, all right? And the way the book of Isaiah is written is, it is like Isaiah is there in the midst of all of it. Does that make sense? Like, so what happened was a, a follower of Isaiah took all of the prophecies of Isaiah and put them together and weave them together with what was happening in the midst of God's people so that they could see the truth of what, what he prophesied some 180 years before it happened. But so it makes Isaiah interesting to teach because Isaiah appears to be in the exile while he was actually before the exile. Does that make sense? Like it, he wasn't actually there, but he said these things about the exile before the exile happened. And so there's some real interesting things. Here's why I want you to hear that. Because all of these truths they had had for a long time. It's not that they had not heard the word of the Lord. They had not heeded the word of the Lord. And so in Isaiah, in Isaiah 65, 24, he says this, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. It reminds me of what Jesus just said in that. Because our Father knows what we need before we ask him. 
Here's the people of God were rebelling against God. They were even doing some of the acts of righteousness, but their heart was far from God. And God was just constantly trying to call them back to himself. He was using other kingdoms to bring down his own kingdom, his own people. Why? So that they would get desperate enough for him, that they would get hungry for him again. And his whole intention was that he would bring them back to himself. That's what he was doing all the time. And he knew that what they needed before they even asked him, before they even began to speak, he was hearing them. And I want you to hear that that is the Lord's heart for you. He knows what you need and he cares about you before you even realize the cares that you have. But they would go through all the motions and they would say what they, were, what they felt like they were supposed to say, but their heart was far from the Lord. And here's the truth you gotta understand. God has never answered a prayer because of the prayer prayed. Like God has never been so impressed by someone's prayer. He's like, oh, and those were amazing words. I gotta, go, I gotta go do that. I wasn't gonna do it, but now I am because did you see the heavenly fathers that he put together in such a wonderful way? Now I'm gonna answer that. That's not why he answers prayer. God answers prayer because of who he is, not because of who we are. It's never been the prayer prayed. It's not your fancy words. It's not certain phrases. Some of you, right, some of you have been struggling in your faith and you think, well, if I just prayed it right. Do you trust the one you're praying to? Do you really trust his will? Do you really want his kingdom and his ways? God responds to faith, not to fancy. He responds to righteous hearts, not to the, the right words. So there's something that was taught at our um, refuge weekend last week. I want to tell you just about prayer. You might want to write these down. It's a little acrostic for pray. And the, the P is uh, that we would praise. And when you pray, praise the Lord. Hallowed be his name. Take some time to worship him because he's worthy. Ours Repent. Confess your sin and your wrong. Repent. Hey, ask. Ask what you need to ask. Daily bread, we need your provision. And the why, end with yes. It's his kingdom come, it's his will be done. That's the heart of prayer, yes. Lord, your will. I told you what I wanted, but I want what you want more than I want what I want that's praying Lord I want what you want more than I want what I want and sometimes our prayer needs to be this Lord I pray that you would give me the desire to desire what you desire if I'm just be real about this I, there's been some seasons in my life where I've had to say Lord I don't even want to want what you want like I'm not in the mood but I want you to change that in me that you would give to me a desire, an appetite for the things of the Lord. Then it goes on, it's talking about fasting. And it says this, and when you fast, not, not if you fast, by the way, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward 
But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you fast, don't, don't try to make it obvious to everybody. Like it's, can't go around telling everybody how hungry you are. Oh, I'm so hungry. I'm hungry because I love Jesus more than you. That's why I'm hungry. It's not that anybody, it's not that somebody else can't know. You can go along with another group of people in a season of fasting. You're praying for each other. But it's not about being seen. It's not about being noticed. Here's what you got to understand about fasting. Fasting is less about hunger and more about appetite. It's not just about being hungry. It's about developing an appetite for the things of the Lord. We need to empty the plate of some things so that the Lord can put on the plate what we need. And there's nothing wrong with most of the things. They're a part of his creation. They're a part of what he's given to us. But sometimes we need to set aside some things of this world so that we have a greater hunger for the Lord himself. It's, it's healthy for us to do this that we would give up the pleasures in the creation so that we can grow in our pleasure in the creator. That we would give up some of the pleasures that we have in the creation so that we'd have a greater pleasure in he who created it. That's what fasting's about. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you go long enough eating healthy, there's some things that taste better than you realize. Like, you know, if you, if you change what you're eating, like every, every time I, uh, I'm in a really good season uh, of eating, like a, a strawberry all of a sudden becomes incredibly sweet. But a strawberry doesn't taste very sweet if you just ate king cake. Right? That's just not how it works, right? It just doesn't taste that way. Like you, you kinda, it kind of lacks. It's not that it lacks it, but you've been, just been giving yourself so much, so much of the other that the value it has is kind of lost on you. And that's what fasting is about. I'm going to put away some things, and they're not necessarily all bad things, but they're not the best thing. The best thing is my Lord. And I want to hunger and thirst for Him. So I'm going to set some things aside. I'm going to put away some things for a little while. I challenge you over the next 40 days, this guy's going to help you maybe consider some ways that you can do that. It's not, hey, everybody needs to not eat for the next 40 days. That's probably not a great idea, okay? Um, but that you would go through a season of figuring out how to do some, some fasting. It might be that you would maybe fast from social media. Some of you need to do it. There's nothing particularly wrong with it. But some of you have become consumed with knowing whether or not enough people liked that last image. And I want to tell you this, especially I want to say this to like, young ladies who see that happening, especially young ladies on, on social media. You are way more beautiful than the best picture you can ever post. You're way more beautiful than that. But if you keep chasing that, you think there's satisfaction in it. And there's not. So just put it away for a while. Let the Lord reset your heart. 
Maybe you need to give up that $6 a day Starbucks drink. By the way, that's $240 40 days from now that you will not have spent on Starbucks. What might the Lord do with that $240 if you gave it to him? Maybe you need to just change your lunch habit. Instead of going and doing something for lunch every day, just spend lunch with the Lord. Give him that time. Spend that time with him. I don't know what the fast needs to look like for you. But it's to develop this hunger and thirst for the Lord. And Isaiah 58, verses 3, starting verse 3, there's this season where they're still practicing fasting. But they're not being obedient to the Lord at all. In Isaiah 58, the people are speaking to God and they say this, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And this is what the Lord responds. Behold, the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice heard on high. Is such a fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose to lose the, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to, sh to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless and poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? to not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily and your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard when you do this. And it's not that the point of fasting is to give, but I'm gonna tell you this, if you fast, you're gonna have something to give. If you choose to do without, the resources that you're not using on yourself become available to the Lord. It's not the purpose of it, it's the byproduct of it. The purpose is to develop our appetite for the Lord. See, we give up the pleasures in the creation so that we can grow in our pleasure in the creator. The last one today I want to talk about real quickly is meditation. Meditation is talked about a lot in scripture. It's found about 23 times, 19 times just in the book of Psalms. But typically, when meditation is mentioned, obedience follows immediately after I'm going to give you a, a verse, Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. But by every word <clears throat> for, written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Jesus doesn't really teach directly on med meditation, but he practices it. His disciples seem to do it all the time. All the time in the Gospels, they talk about how Jesus would get up early and go away on his own and be found out in a, in a place by himself, spending time with the Father, meditating. We see that he was meditating when he went through the 40 days of fasting. It wasn't just what he was doing without. It was also what he was doing with. And so when the tempter came after 40 days and he was hungry, I want you to tell you, Jesus was hungry. He said, turn this stone into bread and feed yourself. He, was, he, he says, as the word of the Lord says, because he quoted scripture, because he'd been meditating on it. He said, 
man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of the Lord. Jesus Christ himself had, his, had hidden the word in his heart that he would not sin against the Lord. And we need to learn how to meditate on it, to really take scripture in and to take it into our heart and to our lives, not just to, not just to read it, not just to fly through it, but to really meditate on it. See, because meditation is not about being empty, it's about being filled. We live in a world that wants to teach people that meditation is about emptying yourself. It's not emptying yourself, it's being filled with that which is right. I'm not saying you don't need to empty yourself of some wrong, so that you can be filled with what is right. But the point's not to end up empty, but to be filled with the truth, and the love, and the spirit of the living God. And Isaiah 66 is the people of God are still hearing from Isaiah even though he's not with them at this point. It says this, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Who trembles at my word, who responds to that which I speak and lives in obedience. See, meditation is how what is learned in the mind becomes true in our hearts and in our souls so that it can become real in our strength. Meditation is how the scriptures that we read become true in our mind. We, we, we learn them. But they become true and real in our spirit, in our soul, so they can become real in our strength. We, they're learned, they become true, and then they become real. We live them out in obedience. That we're not just called to be hearers of the word, but doers also. So here's what meditation is. I, I love reading plans. They're great. Like, read through the Bible in a year. Some of you love that. Some of us struggle every year, feeling guilty, because we're not very good at it. Some of you love that. But reading plans are great. But I want to tell you, you cannot meditate on six chapters of Scripture a day. You can't do that. Meditation requires a, a smaller dose. But to really spend some time with it. So in the guide I'm giving you that you can take, there's just there's a verse, set of verses per week. Just really meditate on them. Learn them. Study them. Let the, hard, let the Lord keep speaking to you. I'm going to tell you a discipline in my life. Monday mornings, I work out at 6.20. Before I work out on Mondays, I get up early, and I read the passage of Scripture I'm preaching that week. I've already known I was going to, I've already studied it some, I've already, but I get up and I read it. And I read it again. And I read it again. On Monday, I, I, try not to, I try not to write any notes down. That's hard for me. Like, I like, I like to write down my thoughts. But I try to, it's not about, I, I just want to take it in. And honestly, I spend all week in one passage of Scripture every week. It's not the only scripture in my life. I study other things to discuss it with people that I'm in Bible studies with and stuff, but that every week I have one passage of scripture I spend all week with and I allow the Lord to speak to me and I hear it and I take it in and I absorb it and here's my heart. 
is I want to tell you this. Any scripture I preach to you is preached to me all week before I preach it to you. I want that in my life. I need it. That the Lord will change me. Because if I'm not careful, I just love hearing it. Studying it. I picked up some good facts. You know what? Sometimes if we're not careful, we love studying the facts so we can avoid the truth. We can get consumed with details. Instead of being changed by the power of the living God who is speaking to us because his word is living and active and cuts like a two-edged sword. So today I challenge you to develop these disciplines in your life because healthy disciplines lead to healthy delights. That was the point I missed earlier. Some of you OCD people, I picked you back up. I'm sorry. <laughs> healthy disciplines lead to healthy delights. I'm gonna tell you something. You'll start developing these disciplines in your life. You're gonna find yourself satisfied in ways you've never been satisfied. You will find satisfaction in the Lord you've never experienced because you will have developed an appetite that is satisfied in the Lord. You'll discover he is enough. You'll see that his grace is sufficient in ways you've never known. You'll trust his provision in ways you've never trusted before. Oh, that we would walk this out. That we would empty the plate some so that he could fill it with himself. Today I can talk to you about experiencing all these acts of righteousness, but I want you to understand something today. I don't know where you are with the Lord, but I'm gonna tell you this. You can't fast enough, pray enough, or read enough scripture to make yourself right with God. Some of us somewhere in our, in our life thought that's how we did it. If I read enough, if I show up at church enough, if I do enough of the right stuff, then the Lord is gonna love me. I, here's what I want you to hear today. God loved you in your very worst. He demonstrated his love for you in this while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And maybe that's where you find yourself today is you've never come to a place of faith at all. Today I pray that you would come to know the satisfaction in knowing he who is the Savior. That we have a righteousness that's not our own. We've been bought with a price. And this righteousness that, that we have it's not just that he takes our unrighteousness. He did. He took our unrighteousness and it was nailed to him on a cross and he bore it in his body and he paid the full price of it. But it's not just that he took our wrong. He also gave to us his right. We have a righteousness that's been given to us if we're in Christ. Today the question is, are you in Christ? If you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, if you have questions about that in any way, Myself and some other leaders are going to be standing here while we sing this next song. We'll be here after the service ends. There is no more important conversation today than that one. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing together. Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord, I pray that right now if there's someone in this place that does not know the forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ and Him alone, I pray that you would restore them to yourself today that you'd call them Lord that your voice would be so clear in this moment that they couldn't tell you no that they would stand up and step out and walk down
and say, I need to talk to somebody about what it means to know Jesus. Because Lord, you knew their prayer before they prayed it. We love you because you loved us first. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.